Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's message was read to you just moments ago. It's the epistle that Paul wrote to Philemon. Some people also say Philemon. I grew up saying Philemon. I just found this out yesterday. I had a conversation yesterday, and I was saying Philemon, Philemon. And I was asked, well, who's Philemon? And I said, it's Philemon. And he said, and it was like, no, we say Philemon. And so I looked in the dictionary, as I'm prone to do, and I found out that Americans say Philemon, and we who are of the Commonwealth say Philemon. But I was glad, Nancy... You said, Philip, you said Philemon, so there you go. So I'm, I might revert back and forth. I was trying to, I was practicing my sermon, and I was saying Philemon just to be, you know, more American, but I might say Philemon. So if I do, just so you know what I'm doing, okay? Okay, okay. I need to say that because as I was practicing, I was flipping back and forth. So anyways, today's text is the letter that Paul wrote to Philemon. Now, Paul's letter to Philemon is only 25 verses. But this epistle is an appeal to forgiveness. It's appeal to friendship and freedom. Philemon is a wealthy individual who's also a devout Christian. Paul even says in our text that he is a beloved fellow worker. You see, Philemon hosts the church in Colossae in his home, where the local Christian community meets for, for worship, for Bible study, for prayer, and yes, for fellowship. St. Paul says of Philemon, I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us, that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and much comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Those are lofty words, aren't they? And as a wealthy man, Philemon owns slaves. And one of those slaves is named Onesimus. Onesimus, whose name means useful, has not been very useful to Philemon. In fact, he hasn't been useful at all. In verse 15, we're told, perhaps the reason he, Onesimus, was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good. If you were to read the commentators on this epistle, you would find that most of them say that Onesimus probably stole something from Philemon's home and was a runaway slave. But somewhere along Onesimus' journeys, possibly in a jail cell with St. Paul, he meets St. Paul. And St. Paul uses that quote-unquote chance meeting to share God's law and gospel with Onesimus. And as a result, Onesimus becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, a brother of the faith. And of Onesimus, St. Paul says, I appeal to you, he's speaking to Philemon or Philemon, he says, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep Onesimus with me, 
in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. You can hear how Paul's love for Onesimus, Onesimus exudes from his heart. But in this letter, Paul pleads with Philemon to forgive Onesimus. I mean, Philemon has every right to bring the full extent of the law against this runaway slave. But St. Paul pleads that in Christ, that in the Lord, that Philemon would welcome him, that he would welcome Onesimus as you would welcome me. And if he has done any wrong to you or owes you anything, charge it to me, says St. Paul. In effect, St. Paul is saying, Philemon, think of how the Lord Jesus Christ forgave those who tortured and crucified him. Can you do anything but imitate the Lord? And think of how the Lord forgives you day after day for the sins that you commit against him. Is it not within your heart to forgive Onesimus? There is arguably no more fundamental Christian act to do than to forgive others. Now, there are times when uttering the words, I forgive you, can be easy, especially when that offense against us is slight and shallow. But at other times, to say those words, I forgive you, feels like we're being gutted. Yes, we are tempted, aren't we, to harbor resentment, to hold a grudge, to seek retribution, to throw the anger that we have in our hearts in the face of someone else who has wronged us. To enact a decree, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But you know what they say, an eye for an eye only leads to more blindness. To withhold forgiveness keeps alive emotions of hurt and anger and blame. And as we hold on to this pain and resentment, our sorrow intensifies and it discolors our perception of life. And as we nurse this anger, we may find that it becomes a cancerous tumor in our relationship with the Lord. And we who have been sinned against by someone else can become the one who sins as we refuse to forgive the other person's trespass against us, even as our Father in heaven forgives our transgressions against him. To forgive people means we must die. As one Christian author observes, to forgive is to die to the people we would become and often do become when we breed bitterness and conceive resentment and nurse the desire for a pound or three of flesh from those who have hurt us. St. Paul is calling upon Philemon to look upon Onesimus' betrayal to look upon that past with compassion. Forgiveness is not an admission of innocence on the part of the forgiver. When we say, I forgive you, we're not saying to the one that we're forgiving, you know, hey, you didn't do anything. No, in fact, it's quite the opposite. We do not forgive the innocent, but we do forgive the guilty. 
The pronouncement of absolution is an acknowledgement that something has been done that is in need of forgiving. And so St. Paul says to Philemon, I urge you, I plead with you to forgive. To forgive Onesimus. Now, forgiveness is not the same thing as friendship. I mean, we can forgive someone and still go our separate ways, wanting to leave the past in the past. I mean, we can forgive someone and never want really anything more to do with them. And sometimes, very justifiably so. We may never want to have contact with that person again or ever associate with them. But in this case... St. Paul urges Philemon to not only to forgive Onesimus for his trespasses against him, but to embrace Onesimus as a friend, as a brother in Christ. St. Paul uses many enduring terms in reference to Onesimus. We heard them just a few moments ago when I read it to you, but St. Paul refers to Onesimus as my son, He refers to him as my very heart. He says, I would like to keep Onesimus with me, for he is very dear to me as a man and as a brother in the Lord. And then St. Paul exhorts Philemon to receive Onesimus back, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. Friend? brother? I mean, if, if we were Philemon, would we not find that to be a hard pill to take, swallow? Knowing that he has betrayed our trust, that he has undermined our authority? I mean, how often do we, when this happens to us, we think, I'll forgive you, I guess, but I don't know if I can trust you. Yes, it would be very hard for Philemon to embrace this plea that St. Paul makes of him to accept and receive Onesimus as a friend and as a brother because not only is the offense that has been taken place, but there's also the matter of hierarchy, of the social order of the day. Philemon is of the wealthy class and Onesimus is of the slave class. Philemon is the owner of slaves and Onesimus is one who is owned. Theirs was a one-way relationship in that Philemon would say, do my bidding, and Onesimus' only response is really, yes, sir. It was all business. But now, St. Paul is saying, Philemon, receive Onesimus as a friend, as a brother. Friendship is equal footing, isn't it? Friendship is reciprocal. Friendship involves enjoyment of being together and even seeking out one another to do things together. Friendship involves investing time and love and sacrifice in another person. And brotherhood implies a bond of blood. It speaks of shared beliefs engaged in the same cause. And this is what Paul is urging Philemon to do with Onesimus. Because you see, with forgiveness 
and with the embracing of friendship and brotherhood comes freedom. Louis B. Smeads, a Christian author, writes, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Yes, it's freeing to forgive. In forgiving Onesimus, Philemon is free. Free of that anger that he harbored. Free of the desire for revenge. Free of resentment and bitterness. And in turn, Philemon gains a friend. A brother in the faith. Yes, for Onesimus, there's freedom too. Philemon's forgiveness frees him from any further retribution. It means that God's word of forgiveness is spoken to him by by the one, even his brother in Christ now, Philemon, and he hears this word of forgiveness that your sins are forgiven. And Onesimus also gains a friend, a brother in the faith, And he now belongs to a loving, supportive community of faith where forgiveness and grace abound in Christ. In a devotion that I was reading this past week, I read these words. I'll quote, Absolution is the beating heart of discipleship because Christ, our forgiveness, is the beating heart of discipleship. Every day he richly and prodigally forgives us, lavishing love upon us, undeserving though we be. And we, having received, do not build a dam within our hearts to stop the flow of mercy, but we let it pass from us to others. We forgive as we have been forgiven. Yes, we forgive as we have been forgiven. That's what St. Paul is reminding Philemon of in this epistle. He has been forgiven by his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and so he is free to also extend that forgiveness to Onesimus. And that's really the heart of this whole epistle. It's the love that God has for us in Christ Jesus. Paul is not asking Philemon to do anything other than what his Lord and Savior Jesus has done for him. You see, Jesus forgives us, doesn't he? I mean, these are hopefully the words you hear every time from this pulpit, every Sunday that we meet. You see, we were not always Jesus' friends. We are now, but we weren't always. Romans 5 says, and you've heard, many of you have heard these words before, it says, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him by the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Did you hear what Paul said about our condition, our one-time condition? We were once sinners. 
we were enemies of God. We were that runaway slave. We were the one that violated our master. And yet, what do we see in the scriptures? We see a God who's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, who abounds in love. As, the, as Daniel says in his book of prophecy, he says, to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. Oh, thank God for his mercy and forgiveness. Because you see, when Jesus looks back at our past, and he looks at our present, and he looks at our future, and he sees our sin, he forgives us. He forgives us because he shed his blood for us on the cross of Calvary. Even while we were still sinners, even while we were still his enemies, Christ died for you and me. And so today we stand or we sit, whatever position we have, we're forgiven through Christ Jesus our Lord. But not only does Jesus forgive us, but Jesus also makes us his friend and his brother. Maybe you remember these words where Jesus was speaking to his disciples in John 15, and he says, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I call you friends. For all that I have heard from my father... I've made known to you. Friends, Jesus speaks those words to you this morning. I no longer call you slave. I no longer call you servant. I no longer call you the prodigal son or daughter. No, you are my friends. For I gave my life for you. And not only does he call us friend, but he also calls us his brother. In Hebrews 2, we read, For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source, and that is why he is not ashamed. He's not ashamed to call us his brothers or sisters. Jesus, you know, he heard these words. He was bewildered one day because his mother and brothers and sisters were outside, and, you know, they People were coming to him and saying, your mom and your brothers and sisters are outside, but they can't get in because the house is so full. And Jesus said, well, who the heck are my, who are my mother and my brothers? And then looking around at all of those who sat there, he said, here is my mother, and here are my brothers. Here are my sisters. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. So take these words to heart. You are the sister or brother of Jesus. Through adoption, through grace, through his love, through his forgiveness. And this friendship is, well, it's reciprocal. Jesus gives, he abundantly gives, and we meagerly give back. But Jesus enjoys being with us. He enjoys journeying with us through life. He's happy when we're happy. He's sad when we're sad. But he's our companion day by day. He enjoys sitting around the dinner table with us and our family, listening to our conversations, and he delights in many of the things that he hears. 
He's also saddened by some of the things that he hears too. But he always forgives. He's always our friend through the thick and the thin. He never abandons us. He'll never forsake us. He'll never say to us, I'm so offended by you, I don't want ever to see you again. He'll never say to you, I hate you. He'll never say those words. No, instead, Jesus, our friend, our brother, and he invests his time in us. He invests his love in us, and he invests even a sacrifice for us. He sacrifices himself for us. And as a result, Jesus sets us free. In John 8, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the Son, he remains forever. And so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And we are indeed free in Christ. In the 2009 movie Invictus, Nelson Mandela, played by actor Morgan Freeman, avows to the African National Congress in a show of defiance, forgiveness liberates the soul, he says. It removes fear, and that is why it is such a powerful weapon. The past is the past. We look to the future. Yes, the past is the past. God remembers our sin no more. He has tossed our sins into the depths of the sea. It's gone. He just simply looks at it and says, you are my friend. You are my brother or sister. All we have to look forward to is the future. Paul's letter is probably one that we all need to hear. At least from time to time. I mean, Paul's letter to Philemon is, is so relevant for us, isn't it? Because I think all of us probably have an Onesimus in our life. Someone who we don't want to forgive. Someone who has hurt us deeply. And we've never said to them, I forgive you. And maybe even in our heart we don't want to say that. But what is happening when we have such a disposition, we become imprisoned. We're locking ourselves in the prison of anger, resentment, revenge, bitterness, sorrow. We would do well to follow our Lord Jesus, to heed the words of St. Paul in our text. We would do well to forgive to befriend and be free. In the end, St. Paul leaves the decision to Philemon. Paul does not pull rank and demand or coerce an action from this brother in Christ. Paul writes, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I will appeal to you on the basis of love. And again, he says, confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. We don't know how the story ends. But I like to think that Onesimus returned to Philemon, to that church in Colossae, 
and the prodigal returns. And Onesimus looks at Philemon and he says, I have sinned against you. I'm only worthy of your retribution and revenge. But I beg you in Christ to forgive me of my sin. And then to hear this man of God, this brother in Christ, say to him, Philemon to Onesimus, Christ our Savior forgives you of all of your sin. He died for you, and he died for me. Therefore, he forgives you, and I, in his name, forgive you too. Welcome, friend. Welcome, brother. And then they embrace. That's forgiveness. That's friendship. That's brotherhood. That's freedom. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.